In today's episode, I'm chatting with Courtney Marie, who is an amazing Kajabi guru. She does branding, websites, sales pages, and consulting for course creators and coaches. And I personally have hired Courtney and her team. I'm a little bit of a fangirl. I love, love, love their work and have a lot of projects in mind with them for 2022 as well. So I'm so excited to have Courtney on the podcast today. She has so much to share. She is a fountain of knowledge. We talked all about outsourcing, hiring team members, so much good stuff behind the scenes of the perfect Instagram, (laughs) what actually is going on in a business. So grab a notebook, grab a pen. There's so much to learn here in this episode. And I hope you guys are as excited as me. Make sure you check out the show notes for all of Courtney's details. We also recorded an episode for her podcast, which is relaunching. And there's so much good stuff on that podcast too, if I do say so myself. So definitely go check out that episode as well. And yeah, I hope you're excited. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former nine-to-five escapee turned six-figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused, or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform, and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six-figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of rosé with me, and let's turn those dreams into a reality. So I have many questions to ask Courtney here. I'm very excited to have her on the podcast, but why don't we start from the beginning from a young Courtney? How did you get started in your business? Did you always want to run your own business? Where did the idea come from? Where did it all begin? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to go for the long spiel. I would say when I was a kid, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was very social, social butterfly, hated school. (laughs) Um, You know, I was decent. I was a BC student, but I just didn't have an interest in it. Like it just, I loved art. Any art class you gave me, I was like, yes, I think I made it to art six in high school. And they're like, sorry, this is all the art classes you can take. (laughs) So like after high school, went to college for advertising and PR, and I think my entrepreneur journey really started in 2014 when I joined a network marketing company called AdvoCare. That's where I was really introduced into making ridiculous amounts of money. Um, I heard people making like $30,000 in a month. I was like, what? And I just fell in love with the atmosphere. The people at the events, I was, it was just a whole nother feeling like these people loved growth. They loved helping other people and bettering themselves and bettering those around them. And it was just, it's hard to explain unless you experience it. So I walked away from one of the events was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell supplements. I went through my own weight loss journey and I started helping other people, fell in love with it, wanted to do fitness, graduated college, 
moved to California to pursue personal training as a career. Uh, at the time, people were saying, oh, that's not realistic, like good luck. You know, I think in the back of their minds, like my family wasn't quite sure if I was going to make it. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Um, but I knew that I wanted to work for myself, essentially, personal training kind of gave me that route. I knew I wasn't meant for the nine to five world. I just couldn't sit in a chair all day. I think I'd be spinning in circles. <laughs> um, I would just get bored. But I fell in love with fitness. So I knew that that was the route that I wanted to take. Went the personal training route, started doing in-person training. Fast forward a couple of years, I wanted to expand into digital marketing. I got introduced into the online space through Shalene Johnson. I don't know if you know of her, but she has a program called Marketing Impact Academy. I went to, again, yet another event and I was sold. I was like, just expanding my mind into the possibilities of what could happen. This girl made $11,000 in a week in a week. Wow. And I'm over here, like scraping money, like trying to get $30 an hour and putting basically exchanging my time for money. I'm like, mm. I am not, I need to figure out this online thing. What can I do online to work for myself? Because I want to do what they're doing. And so the first thing that came to mind was fitness. So I sold my first training program for I think 197. It was a three month pro like workout fitness plan and nutrition plan for like $200 really. <laughs> and that was my first entry into the online space. From there, I just kept pursuing fitness, building this online fitness business, you know, within there, I'll kind of talk about later, like different coaching programs. I went through program after program, hired one-on-one -on -one coaches, it wasn't until I worked at Kajabi. So I hit a wall with fitness in the personal training space. I kind of, I went through a back injury. I kind of started losing my passion for it a little bit. And I knew that I needed to make more money. That's kind of where I was at. And so I started looking for full-time jobs, went to Kajabi, told them, hey, I want to work here. What do I need to do? Basically, they didn't have a job opening at the time. Um, so I interviewed and started working there, I think, like within the next couple weeks. What year was that? Was it early days of Kajabi? It was 2017, I think. 2017 or yeah. 18. Yeah, one of those years. No, so it was like they started in what, 2010? I think. Yeah. So I was their social media marketer. Nice. <laughs> they just created a job there. Oh my gosh. I didn't know this. This is fantastic. I yeah. So I loved it. I soaked everything in um, that I could. I was using the platform for my fitness business. And so I was kind of learning stuff for that as well as like just learning Kajabi in itself. Uh, after I left there, I decided to try this fitness thing again and do Kajabi stuff on the side. So I was doing Kajabi virtual assistant stuff. And one thing led to another. It just kind of my side hustle overtook my fitness business. And until I 
was like, I surrender. I'm leaning in to all this. Once I made that decision, it took off. It, you know, I decided, I learned that I love design. I went to school for design and it full circle came back. Once I said, yes, I'm all in, it just took off. So that's how I got from fitness to design uh, full circle. And then it just slowly started to, or quickly started to grow into an agency. And now we're at four people. So that's a long version. <laughs> oh, there's so many things in there that I, I was know, just like, yes. So like I have to say, like the first thing you said about like not loving school, like I always, I find it so interesting hearing people's school stories because I think the traditional high school experience, like it doesn't serve a lot of people. And I think a lot of people go through school and they're like, they feel like they can't do anything right or they can't find yeah. their feet. And then you fast forward and you're like, would you have ever expected to be like this wildly no. successful business owner? Like this girl who was just like going through, just <laughs> loving her art classes, hated everything else. Like, and it's so funny. Cause like, for me, it was like, like I hated business class. I did one year of business at my school where they had like a, a business kind of school within the school, which was quite well known in, in our city. And it was really highly looked upon. And my mom was really excited when I signed up to do, you know, a year of that. I hated it. I thought it was so boring. So I find <laughs> it so ironic now that I run my own business where in school, I was like, I couldn't think of anything worse. I found it really dull, but yeah, yeah the school, the school experience doesn't serve anyone. And I also love what you mentioned there about that moment you discovered the online world and all of these businesses and the money in that, that, that moment, I think all of us have when you just kind of, you stumble into this world and you're like, what is going We've on We've escaped here? the matrix. Right? It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. I love that. And what you were saying there about sort of just leaning in and, and going with what you were kind of being called to do going in all in on your web design and the Kajabi stuff. Do you still do a lot of your fitness stuff as like a hobby though? Like I see it popping up on your Instagram stories just for you or. Yeah. So anymore, I just do fitness for me and I'll just share my journey. So I recently hired a fitness coach and I just more so share because it's a part of my lifestyle and my personal brand. Um, so it does really engage those people who are interested in fitness, mm. but no, no more fitness that is completely closed chapter. Sometimes it's nice though, to step away from like a passion you were trying to monetize and just keep it as exactly. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me so much. I have an auntie who was a very successful um, chef and she had her own range of like cookbooks and they were really popular in New Zealand. And I think it was like the nineties, like she had people coming up to her in the supermarket being like, how should I cook my dinner kind of thing. And she ended up just completely quitting that because it was trying to monetize something she loved. Like she just loved to cook and she got yeah. tired of having to force that into a job. Like she just wanted to cook for the fun of it, which really benefits me now because I get really great food when I go. There you go. <laughs> dinner, yeah. And let's, let's come back to your Instagram. I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you use Instagram to market your business. Being a service-based business, you obviously have your web design services, but you also have templates and other good things going on that you sell. How does Instagram come into your business? Yeah. So I started on Instagram. Oh gosh. I don't even remember when it started back when like the old layout. Oh my God. It was terrible. 
and that, that filter always, that everyone yeah, used. <laughs> yeah, the Nashville filter. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I've always used Instagram and as then I started using Facebook. So as far as strategy, I'm going to blow your mind and just be super transparent and say, we don't have a set strategy and it works. I think we, you used to have like a set strategy, like post at this time on these certain days. And that's what I did to get started. I was super consistent the first two years in my business to really grow that audience. And then I guess as far as strategy today, I mainly use Instagram to share valuable content, like for my audience, for my ideal client, who's looking to grow their personal brand, design tips, stuff like that, that I know can really provide them help in growing their business. When in turn, I know that that will someday come back and someone will need help with branding. Someone will need help with a website. Now, as far as like outreach and all that, I would say we mostly do that on Facebook because that's where people are mostly looking for help. Instagram, mm-hmm. I see as providing content. Facebook, I see as like putting ads out that people are looking for help. I love that. And I think you may say it's like not really a strategy, but to me, I'm like, yes, that's such a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. Like just coming back to the basics, like, you'll know, we, we just did a chat on Courtney's podcast, which you should all go listen to. And we talked all about like me using Instagram in a very kind of more casual way than a lot of other social media managers may do. And I, I love what you do with your Instagram as like a a lurker and a follower, because again, I think like you just said, it's not necessarily like, this is where you get those quick sales. You get all those leads from. But what you're doing is building that relationship. You're building a connection with your audience. You know, you're providing them those tips that that value. They can learn things from following you. But then you're also, you know, adding in little bits of your personality. Like I loved, I watched your Instagram stories the other day where you were talking about limiting beliefs and mindset. And I was just like, mm, yes, girl, love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing little snippets of like your holidays and things. And I, I think a lot of people get so caught up in creating some elaborate Instagram strategy and spending weeks planning it out with a team of four people that they forget Instagram can be simple. It doesn't have to be this complicated, complex, crazy plan. It can just be posting good content. Yeah. My thing for scaling our agency, my biggest tip is simple is scalable. The moment you start trying to complicate things, you've lost. If you can't explain what you do to other people, if you can't replicate certain tasks you do in your business to other people, there's no way you're going to scale it. So I'm all about how can we make this more simple? And as far as like Instagram, a big part of growing a personal brand is providing value in certain content. Maybe you have certain content pillars, be it's educational, that sort of thing but also just sharing like, who are you? And that's where you see like those little things. Like I care about limiting beliefs or like, I care about like, Hey, here's my Christmas tree that I'm really proud of. And I would like to share, (laughs) but it's mostly about sharing content for your ideal client, but also like sprinkling in those little things that bring out your personality. Mm. I love that. And I love the simple 
strategy, like the simple overall in your business, because you do have quite a streamlined sort of list of offers. Like it is quite like you do, you do the website or you, the website, or you do a sales page or your templates. Is that pretty much what you offer? Yeah. So we do branding and with that, it's like one branding offer. Um, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like, that's, we're a branding agency or a design agency, but I do know people need help with branding and we can do that. But yeah, it's, Hey, do you need a website? Do you need a sales page or do you need a course? Simple. The moment you start adding in multiple offers, then the more questions you have, the more confusion you have, the more leads you lose because they're confused on your website. That's another thing. Like for your website, the less offers that, Hey, one, two, three, do you need help with one, two, three? If, if you do great, we're for you. If not, we know someone who is. I love that. It's like an echo going on because that's exactly what I teach in my programs when you're getting started in social media management. Just have three offers. Just have a basic entry-level offer, your mid-tier, and then some sort of deluxe offer and just keeping it simple. And a lot of people go, oh, but what if my client wanted this or this or that? Or what if they're looking for this? And I'm like, well, they could always come and ask. You know, you could add that on. You could put a custom package. But if you send a list of 10 different options for them in a PDF or on your webpage, it's going to confuse the hell out of them. Like, it's just too much. Yeah, I was actually um, talking with my team about like, if this is a perfect example, so I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I don't get shiny object syndrome, or I don't like wonder if we should add more services. Cause I, cause I do right. Part of being the business owner is you have to really think about growing and expanding the business. Mm. What does that look like? So we sat down and do we want to add done in a day service? Mm. And, you know, I thought about it put some feelers out there and it, I decided it doesn't feel right for us right now because the quality of work that we want to do, I feel like it would be rushed in a day. Can it be done? Yes, absolutely. But I just, I don't know how I feel about it and it didn't feel good to me at the time. So I decided not to do it. So you have to kind of Look at what's out there, but also keep in mind, don't just do it because everyone else is doing it. Everyone is doing done in a day services right now. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes. But yeah, we're just going to sit. We're going to sit on it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because I think part of your appeal again is that quality and you're somebody that from a customer perspective for me hiring you is like I loved that you had that quality I love that you have a wait list to go on kind of you know you work so far in advance and I love that you are you you kind of you probably charge more than maybe maybe I could go out and find a cheaper web designer but I want to work with you even if I'm paying more because I'm sort of drawn into your sales funnel. You know, I follow you on social media. I have that connection. I also see the quality on your website. And I love that you have that specialty that, you know, Kajabi is your jam. Mm -hmm. And I I have that trust in you because you've specialized, because you have that simplified offer. Like this is what we do from a customer perspective. It it brings this like comforting feel. You're like, okay, I'm going to spend this money, but it's in good hands. Like these guys know what they're doing. And yeah, I find that, I find that really interesting from a customer perspective. I love love that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, use that in the, your next your next meeting when you're planning <laughs> out what to go and do. But shiny object syndrome is a real thing when you're an entrepreneur. It's something that I definitely struggle with because I'm definitely in a point of I, I almost have two sides of my business. I have my coaching and my courses, and then I have my social media management. So when you add it all together, it is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to to streamline things and pull things back. What tips would you have to someone like me who has that shiny object syndrome? Like, what should we do about it? Yeah, I I had it in the beginning too. Like, ask my coach. She would have to sit me down and just remind myself or have me remind myself like, okay, we can get to that, but let's come back to now and focus on scaling this one thing. So my advice is for someone who has that, okay, focus on one offer at a time and focus on perfecting that one offer and scaling it to a point where you have someone running that. Now Hmm. you can put your focus into the next offer and the next offer. That way you're not having all these offers and you're, excuse my language, but you're half-assing it. I never want to do that. I want things to be, okay, I'm going to put all my time and energy into this one thing before we get to this one. So as an example for us, now that we've got the agency pretty streamlined, like it's pretty streamlined. I can now put my focus into growing the template shop and maybe focusing on Facebook ads and scaling that side before I bring in something else. It's such a good approach to have in any business that idea of just mastering one thing. It's the same thing I tell people with social media platforms. Don't try start on YouTube, on Instagram and a podcast start with one, master it, then you can expand. Same with social media uh, managers. Like a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, I want to have an ebook and a podcast and digital templates and a a seller social media calendar, but also do my services. And when new social media managers come to me with that energy, I'm just like, whoa, no, (laughs) take things down a notch. And, And you do need to master one thing. And I think it's definitely a juggle that social media managers have. What would you say, or business owners, I could say, what would you say on this topic of shiny object syndrome and struggles as a business owner? What would you say is one of the most challenging parts of your job, of running your own business? What's something that maybe a lot of people wouldn't think about when it comes to running a business, but now that you're in the, in the shoes, in the driver's seat, you're like, yeah, this, this gets hard sometimes. I would say management. That's not something I signed up for. So that was a rude Mm. awakening for me because I had no management experience. I don't know how to manage people. I mean, in my mind, well, okay, everyone just do their job and we will be just fine. (laughs) But it doesn't (laughs) work that way. Um, So I would say I'm still working on that. Like I'm still learning, like I want to create a good team culture. And I think the team that we've hired is a good culture, but I could do more. Like there's always something Mm. as a business owner, there's always more that you can be doing and improving, which I love. Like I love being like, okay, what, what can I improve? Like I'm an Enneagram one. So I'm always like, what can we do better? What can we make better? How can we (laughs) improve this process? So I would say that. And then one of the other biggest struggles was, systems and processes. Again, I'm a creative. So my brain does not do well with 
processes. I'm like, oh my God, this, I, we went through this in 2020. It was a mess. The agency, like our process was a mess, but to some people, like most people, they didn't even know. You couldn't, you <laughs> couldn't tell on the front end because we kept getting feedback like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, oh my God, you don't even know. Like I feel like a mess over here. So we've, we've put in a lot of time and effort into really creating the perfect process for us as well as our clients. Um, so it meshes well together. I love that. It's so funny that you bring that up as well, because as again, as a customer, I loved your streamlined process. Like everything is automated and so easy. And I've actually used that in my membership group when I've talked about like systems and the whole idea really as service-based entrepreneurs, I say is you're here to serve someone and make their life easier. And I've used you as an example. I'm like, for example, oh my gosh, like really? my web designer, <laughs> it just flowed. And I, I take my hat off to you because I don't have systems like that in place with my social media management. With my coursing, courses and coaching, it's a little more automated, but I'm like your classic, like New Zealanders and Australians are very laid back. Like we have the old, like, she'll be right, mate, kind of saying like, everything's very chill and relaxed. So I remember the first time I, I hired you for that um, webpage, I was like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I clicked here and then I automatically got this contract and then I signed that and I automatically got this invoice. And then I got this time slot to book this call. And I was like, whoa, man, this is cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh. See, that's so cool to hear because I'm just over here. Like what, what can we do better? Yeah. Well, and again, it comes back to the idea of like, you're just making my life easier. And that's why I've come back to work with you again. And I already have all of these like master plans for 2022 that I'm like, yeah, I'll get Courtney's team to do that. Ooh. And then, and then we'll build up to this. And then, cause I, sh I slowly want to put all of my stuff onto Kajabi. Cause I'm kind of like half in yeah. Kajabi half on Squarespace and it's kind of annoying me at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love what you said about managing a team, because that was another thing that I wanted to pick your brain on mm -hmm. because again from the outside it's something that I'm like wow Courtney is so good <laughs> oh at that God. like I wish I could be caught and then you're sitting here being like yeah it's a real struggle like let's talk about this how who was your first hire how did it begin when it came to building your team yeah so oh gosh my very first hire was a VA and I'll just kind of give the gist of I hired too soon in my business. I hired when I didn't really know what my expectations were and I didn't know the role itself enough to be able to give them direction. So the biggest thing as a manager that I've learned is you basically you can't hire someone unless you've done it yourself and you can really know, okay, this takes me this long. Here's the expectations. Here's the KPIs that need to be hit. Now I can bring someone in, basically train them on what I was doing, give them the expectations, give them the KPIs, key performance indicators, um, like analytics or something. And then that way you can now look at, hey, how come we haven't been hitting these numbers? What's going on? Versus I think when I did it, I was getting frustrated because we weren't getting results, but then I couldn't get frustrated because I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, mm. I, you can't get frustrated at someone if you didn't even take time to teach them 
develop, help them develop, help them grow. So that was the biggest pivoting point for me. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I had a similar experience. Like I hired a VA and they were lovely. They were great. But I realized when I hired them that I hadn't really thought about the jobs that I needed help with mm. and what that role should look like. Yeah. And it turned out from experiencing and working with this VA, I was like, Hey, I actually need more of a writer to help me. Like this is where I need somebody who knows how to write like good copy and can help me with my captions because I had way too many to write. And I realized like, oh, I've hired this person and they don't quite have like the skill set to be doing that. And then I had all sorts of like COVID and up and down of income. So I was like, I almost got scared of outsourcing after that. I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Yeah. How, how do you manage that, that fear of, I don't know, like even I have it now, sometimes I love my team that I've built and, you know, I pay them their invoices each month and I'm like, yes, best money spent, but it is scary to grow a business and to be that leader to manage those people. How do you cope with any of those scary feelings? Yeah. Um, I'll share kind of what we're going through now is we are looking for a lead gen person uh, to come in to really help grow leads for the business or go out and find leads. And I'm not going to lie. This is one of the hardest positions to fill. It's one of the, I don't want to say easiest, but like we have a laid out process. It's just finding someone with great communication skills and sales skills and actually wants to do it. Who wants to sit there and go through like Facebook groups like every day? But I would say the challenge for me is having to find someone, invest in them. Hopefully it works out, but maybe it won't and then have to redo it until we find that I don't want to say unicorn, but until we find that person to <laughs> fill that spot. But at the end of the day, I always go back to like, you have to spend money to make money. I, I believe that's mm. true. Um, and at the end of the day, I think if I'm willing to reinvest in the business, it will eventually come back to me because we know our lead gen process works. We just need to find someone who fits with our team and can really fulfill the role. And then once we have that, we know that we'll have leads coming in. So if you have a process that you know works, the outsourcing doesn't become as scary. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think it is an essential part of scaling as a service-based entrepreneur as well, because we have to admit we can't do everything. <sighs> if we want to be growing our business, we have to step away and we have to allow other people and other experts into our team, you know, mm -hmm. other people that could possibly do things better. Like I always look at hiring your team as part of me, like expanding, being like, Hey, I can build a web page. I can do it, but why not get someone who can just smash it out so much better and make it look like amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to admit, like, sometimes I have to let go of the reins a little bit and invite other people to the table. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think one thing I think one mindset shift I had to overcome when building a team was I am a perfectionist. So like I try not to, I rarely miss a lot of things, but when you hire people, you have to be okay with mistakes happening. 
Mm-hmm. And they're knowing that they're going to happen. Yes, you have like you have you, you have the client, you have your team, and you have to be okay with mistakes happening. Like maybe there's miscommunication that happens, maybe there's an error that happens, but it's about how you handle it that matters because you have to allow them to grow in their own role and not be as micromanagey. I was a little bit micromanagey when I first started because I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to upset the client. I don't want anything to happen. <laughs> yeah. But now I've been able to take a step back and we have had maybe things fall through the cracks and I've just been transparent about it. Like, hey, this has happened. We're so sorry, but we take care of it. So I think it's just all about how you handle it as far as like customer service goes. I love that. You have to admit defeat sometimes like things aren't always going to stay on on track and go exactly. As you grow, there's bound to be mistakes or miscommunication that happens. Sometimes I like to look at it from the perspective of it is a sign of growing. Like you don't have these problems unless you're getting bigger, your business is growing. So then I'm like, okay, this has gone wrong. You know, there's a fire happening over there, but pat myself on the back because yeah, I wouldn't have this fire (laughs) if my business hadn't grown. Like I had the same um, thing happen when I had my first refund request for my course a couple of months back. And it it broke me. Like it was, it was a really bad experience. Maybe I should do a podcast episode on it, but I had to try change the story and be like, you know what, this is just what happens with it's a bigger business. audience. Yeah. It's just business. We need to not take everything too personally sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a client where I, I told them, I was like, Hey, we're not a good fit. I will refund you and we can just part ways. Um, in the moment I did that, we had two clients come in that was double the amount that they paid. It just wasn't, if it's not a good fit, you are going to that relationship at that three months or whatever it is will be stressful and it's not worth it. That's a conversation I have with my students all the time. They'll come to me and be like, I have this client. They are like a helicopter client. They keep rewriting posts. They keep deleting things. They're just emailing me every day, every day on the weekend. And like, they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, the answer is so simple. You just have to like cut your losses in that relationship, in that contract. And as you say, things always come along. Like the amount of times similar to me where I've said no to someone or I've ended a contract just because it's not not the right fit and someone else shows up and they're even better. And it's just so funny how the world works in that way. You know, there's this constant flow of clients and I always try to get that across to new people. Like, don't be afraid to say no because you never know what's coming through the next door. Yeah, and don't be afraid to set boundaries. I think that's one thing that I was afraid to do because again, I wanted to make the client happy. But we were working weekends, we were working nights. I'm like, wait, why did I start this business if I'm going to be, you know? And so now we have very strict boundaries that we, none of my team members work on weekends. I respect that of them. I respect it of me. And we have, uh, we try to have a cutoff day, like time, but you know, the way I see it, my team members, like, if you want to work late at night to get your stuff done, if that's your creative juices, 
totally fine. As long as done by the due date, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's something, again, as a customer, I picked up uh, on your contract and that I really loved and respected as a customer was those strict deadlines, was those dates. Like this is when you can contact us. This is when you can expect a reply. And this is when you need to have this XYZ done by, or you're going to have to pay more. And I think that's something so many service-based entrepreneurs forget to put into their contracts and they yeah. let that scope creep happen. They let people kind of push them around a little bit because we, we're, just, we're just so obsessed with making our clients happy that we sacrifice yeah. our own time to do that. It's at the expense of yourself. I actually had that in my first year by myself. I just kept getting like pushed and pushed and pushed. And I finally was like, what do I got to do? to get people to turn in their materials so I can start the project. And I I just finally said, I'm going to have to charge you if you don't get it in. I'm so sorry, but I got to do something because this isn't working. Yeah. Oh my God. That speaks to me so much. I just, just recently after almost like three years introduced late payment fees because I had people who just weren't paying their invoices on time. And I, I was so chilled, so flexible about this for so long in my business, but now I have three people to pay every month and I'm not going to pay their invoices late. Like I'm going to sacrifice not paying myself to make sure I pay my contractors on time. So I had to just, you know, put my big girl pants on and be like, look, I hate to do this, but if your invoice isn't on time, I'm going to charge you for that. Like, I just can't do that anymore. And yeah, there's so many little things like this. I think you go through as a business owner and you, you just have to make those tough decisions. You do. You'll, you'll thank yourself and the people who don't respect you, they're probably not going to be a good fit to work with. Absolutely. Well, why don't we wrap this up and let you just sort of, I want to let you go because we've been chatting for so long. Definitely go check out Courtney's podcast. How did podcast. that go by so fast? I know. I just looked at the I, clock and I was like, oh my gosh. I feel like it's only been like 30 minutes or 20. <laughs> yeah. So you, everyone listening, I'm going to put a link in the uh, podcast show notes to Courtney's podcast. So you can go check out our episode and all of our other good stuff that's coming with her podcast relaunch. I'm going to link to Courtney's website so you can go check her out. Do you want to just sign off, uh, Courtney, with where people can find you, where they can follow you, how they could possibly work with you as well? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. Go figure. Uh, at CourtneyMarie.me or our website is www.CourtneyMarieCo.com. Mainly on Instagram, that's where we hang out. And then we do have the podcast coming out, which you can listen to Ellen. Um, it's Coffee with Courtney podcast. Super original, but yeah, super excited to relaunch that. Yay. Thank you so much, Courtney. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope I haven't fangirled too much and sat here with my mmms and ahs because I always do that in interviews and I'm trying to stop it. I'm just like, yeah. yes, preach girl. <laughs> no, we'll have to do another one. Like I, I hope you got all, I'm sure you have more questions, but I'm always happy to do another one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.